We uh, welcome into the program from CBSSports.com, Shehan Jayaraza. Shehan, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks always for having me. All right, so 250,000 people attended the uh, Oklahoma spring game or something like that. Uh, wh- what was your take on, on some of these spring games, 33,000-plus uh, for the USC spring game and, again, a packed house in Norman? What, what was your overall take on just how well these games were attended? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's so much excitement for both of those programs, right? I mean, obviously, USC, the, the excitement around Lincoln Riley was broadcast on ESPN. They had, like, a legit broadcast crew there, including RG3. Like, I mean, it, this is unprecedented hype, I think, for a first-year coach. I mean, I don't remember ever seeing anything quite like this. So, I, I think that this is great for football. I mean, I think it's great for West Coast football, especially just uh, kind of seeing this excitement, seeing people show up, seeing people talking about USC. And for Oklahoma, I mean, look, Oklahoma is one of the great fan bases in college football. They obviously uh, are one of the most historic programs in college football. If anybody thought that their fans were going to go away or were going to, you know, not still support their team, I think that this is a good uh, reminder that they're not going to. So both these programs are in a great spot, and I, I really hope that at some point over the next couple of years we get to see these two teams play. After the spring scrimmage for the Longhorns, do you feel like that Texas may have found their quarterback? And are they comfortable where they're at with Ewers at quarterback? Yeah, I, I was impressed with a lot of the throws that Ewers made. But it is, you know, look, he did also look like a quarterback who hasn't played real live football in a couple of years. So I think that in terms of talent, they should feel real good about where they are. I think that Quinn Ewers is the guy. He showed that big-time arm. I mean, that, that throw to Isaiah Nair was crazy. Like, it was a really, really big-time throw. Uh, you know, the sort of throw that makes you the number one recruit in the country. So, I think that Texas should feel good about where they're at. But, again, I mean, Quinn Ewers is still a little raw. It's still going to take a little time, I think. Especially, I mean, again, you know, they play Alabama in week two. It's gonna. It, there's no real way to prepare for that. But, um, you know, I, I think that they've been waiting for a long time for a quarterback like Quinny Ewers, and, and I think that he is going to end up being that guy. Talk a little bit about the quarterback battle going down at LSU. I know that you bring in Jaden Daniels, and he obviously takes the field first, but what Garrett Nesmeyer was able to do to me, it, it shows that he has the opportunity to really be the quarterback starting day one. It's such an interesting battle because I think that all three guys who are in that competition, those two and also Miles Brennan, mm-hmm really have a chance to win that job. I, I mean, I think that it's going to really go on into the into the fall. You know, with this battle, you do get a couple different type of guys, right? Like, I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer, you've obviously got the big-time arm. And with Jaden Daniels, you've got somebody who's played a lot of college football and, and has great legs and, and, you know, good control of the offense, all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be, I think, a little bit of a, a choice. Like, I think that it's going to be a little bit of preference of what Brian Kelly wants in his offense and what new offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock wants as well. So it's a tough question. I mean, I, I don't envy them having to make that decision, but uh, it will, I think, go into the fall, and, and we'll see whether anybody's able to pull away. Sunday, May 1st, I think, is uh, when the uh, transfer portal closes for the summer. Does that give – coaches a chance to kind of exhale and know what their roster is going to look like at least going into fall? Yeah, no question about it. I mean, it's it's obviously such a tumultuous time because just at, at any moment, you know, you could lose some of your 85 scholarship players basically the entire year. So I do think that this at least lets you get some clarity. 
of uh, what your roster is going to look like. Again, once August comes around, players can transfer again, but obviously the attraction is much less after, you, you know, when, when you're going into the fall, you're not really going to transfer in August necessarily and then go in and start in a new program. So I do think that for all intents and purposes, I mean, if you, uh, you know, May 1st is really kind of the deadline. If you really want to start and play at another program uh, in the fall. So I do think that it gives teams a little bit of clarity. I do think it is a little bit of a deep breath. I mean, I, again, I don't envy these guys for having to kind of recruit their own players, recruit in the portal. Like it, the recruiting is such an aggressive year round uh, situation right now and now all of a sudden you're not just recruiting high schoolers you're recruiting in the portal too so I do think that everybody's exhaling a little bit and uh, and hoping to maybe catch their breath a little bit before uh, the fall comes you mentioned the fall and, and again the portal reopens August the 1st it, do you anticipate some numbers uh, if if a guy goes into fall camp and, and doesn't win a starting job do, I mean are there going to be significant numbers in in the fall that say you know what I'm I'm gonna go try my my luck elsewhere you know I I think it's gonna not be too many people right like I I think that this is primarily going to be a spring thing Uh, guys have you know this sort of like week or two after spring practice ends to make a decision to figure out that they're not where they want to be on the depth chart etc etc you know when you go into the fall like you're talking about legitimately showing up in the middle of spring uh, of fall camp right like I mean, you're, you're talking about showing up and not really having any time to go through a strength and conditioning program to not learn the offense all that sort of stuff uh and that's just a tough situation so i mean i think that that for people who who are in that situation in the fall it's going to be people who are really kind of looking to maybe move down the level or or something like that you're not going to see a whole lot of lateral moves or, or guys moving up necessarily and um, you know, for, for players to enter the portal, most of them are looking for a comparable opportunity or a better opportunity. Most aren't necessarily looking to move down. So I don't think we're going to see that kind of wave. But, uh, you know, I do think that people will still transfer and, and try their luck elsewhere. Get your crystal ball out. Who's the first Big 12 player taken Thursday in the NFL draft? <laughs> That's a good question. It's, it's kind of a weird year for the Big 12 this year. Um, you know, we, we don't see a ton of the – top players in the league coming out this year. So I do think that Jalen Petrie has a chance to go first. Uh, You know, he's been getting some late first round buzz uh, and people really like what he's able to do as a safety, as a, as a corner, as somebody who's able to play maybe a little bit of a hybrid role. Um, And and again, you look around the rest of the league, there's not a whole lot of other, uh, there's not a a whole lot of other obvious, places to go right i mean texas and oklahoma aren't losing that many guys you're kind of looking more of the day two day three range for some of those oklahoma guys to go and so i, I think that petrie maybe has a chance to go first shayhan i thought it was interesting notre dame's uh ad jack swarbrook was talked about the the landscape of college football and how it's changing drastically with the big 10 the sec and he made a comments where he could see it being like a mini nfl mini nba versus the rest of the landscape of college athletics. Is that a little extreme or do you think that he, he might be onto something? I think that we in some ways are heading in that direction uh, in terms of the big 10 and the sec, just kind of almost being like, like you kind of mentioned an Eastern conference, Western conference, AFC, NFC, whatever you want to call it. But I do think that this is part of why this, next round of playoff negotiations is going to be very important why you need expansion in so many ways. Uh, and, and so, I mean, I, I think that in, in a lot of ways with NIL, all that sort of stuff, 
this is kind of an opportunity to head off that happening because, I mean, you hear people say, I mean, you even hear the SEC commissioners say, we need this to be a national sport. We need the West Coast to be involved. We need the East Coast to be involved. And I, I don't think that that's happened extremely well, you know, over the past couple of years. But college football moves in ways. You know, I mean, the, the SEC being this superpower that nobody can match is really, you know, kind of a last 20, 30 years thing. You know, so, I mean, I think that college football does go through waves. And so I think that this is an opportunity with playoff expansion, with changing kind of the way that uh, the incentive structure of the sport in some ways, with, with realignment, all this sort of stuff. It's an opportunity to maybe stop some of that from happening, stop this kind of move towards an NFLization of college football, I guess you could call it. But, uh, you know, if things kind of go this direction and nothing kind of changes and nobody kind of uh, makes any aggressive moves along the way, I, I do agree that it seems like we're starting to head in that kind of direction. If we did get to, let's say, four sixteen super conferences, what would be the advantages of for that format? Well, and and I think that that's the question because right now we are heading into a world where there's basically two super conferences from a monetary perspective. You know, with the Big Ten and the SEC, and the other three major conferences, they're going to be pretty substantially below those other two. And ultimately, I mean, the the thing that I've always looked at is like, you know, for the for the broadcasters, for ESPN especially, like that is an easy way to cover the sport, right? Like it is an easy way to limit the amount of teams that you have to play. It allows you to have control over scheduling. Like you're able to cover it like the NFL. But to me, it's a huge disadvantage in terms of maximizing the sport because it does minimize every other team that's not part of maybe that top group, right? I mean, I, I think that college football has always been a sport to me that's about breath. It's, it's about, you know, there's a school in Waco, Texas. There's a school in Fresno, California. There's a school in Wyoming. You know, like that's what makes college football great to me. And, and I think that when you look at some of the powers at play and when you look at some of the, the broadcasters, all this sort of stuff, they, they almost want it to be easy. They want it to be sort of a, a miniature NFL in some ways where, you know, Alabama is – just the 49ers, you know, and, and it's not necessarily something that's unique to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I do think that, again, it's easier to cover. I, I understand that part of it. It's easier to pay attention to. It's easier to, to make broadcasting decisions. But I think it misses the point of college football. And I think ultimately, uh, you know, long term, it would kind of destroy interest in the sport. Does it all really matter, though, unless we get a hand on the NIL because the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer? And it doesn't matter how many teams you have in there, you're still going to have those top tier that have all the money and all the capabilities to do what they want. Well, I think that we've had versions of that for a long time, right? Like, I, I think that we've had versions of Alabama, of Texas, of, you know, whoever else being able to, to get money to players and, and get players to come to their school. I, I think the bigger existential issue is this gap from a television monetary perspective where, you know, some projections have the SEC and the Big Ten pushing towards $100 million per school, whereas the other schools are, like, in the 50 to 60 range. Like, that's really, I think, where there's an advantage that other teams just won't be able to match, right? And we see some of this with the gap between the Power Five and the Group of Five. I mean, you're, you're talking about even the Big 12 being in the, the mid-30s to, to low-40s uh, per year in terms of payout whereas the American was in the $7 million range, right? Like, I mean, it just makes it so hard to compete when there's that kind of gap. And, and I, so I think that that's a much more existential issue, just the, the disparate payouts 
that that are going to different conferences. Uh, you know, yes, I, obviously, I think that um, that the being able to sort of pay out money more directly does play a big role in that. Uh, and, and you know, I think long term, I mean, it, it, a lot of it is branding. Like, I mean, a lot of kids want to play in the SEC because they feel like it's the best league in college football. And and yes, you know, the money helps, but people don't go to schools also unless they feel like it's going to be a good opportunity for them, right? I mean, Tennessee's had the opportunity to, to funnel money to players for a long time, but you do have to believe into the program there. You have to believe that you're going to be coached up. You have to believe that you're going to be able to compete. So I, I do think that, yes, you know, that NIL is going to make things more complicated, but I do think that uh, that broadcast and, and sort of disparate uh, payouts, I guess you'd say, are, are really the existential issue facing college football. Shayhan, what was the biggest takeaway for you regarding your Baylor Bears? Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, I think that the the defense looks real good, and and Craig Williams, that running back, looks like a revelation. Uh, you know, I remember talking to Jeff Grimes last year when he was kind of describing what he's looking for in a running back, and he's like, you know, a lot of people think that you need like a big physical guy, but really, what you just need is somebody who's fearless, somebody who's going to hit a hole, and and I think that Craig Williams looks like he has a chance to be that guy. Obviously, much much smaller than Abram Smith, but does a great job of not getting tackled fully. Does a you know does a great job of protecting his body. Uh, you know, despite being only, you know, 170 pounds. And I think that he is such a dynamic player. It's almost such a different uh, kind of look than, than you got with Abram Smith, who was a bruiser, somebody who wanted to be hit. Uh, he looks really, really good, I, I think, in, in limited action. And defensively, you know, I, I knew that obviously things were going to look a little different with some of the, the different guys taking the place of guys like Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard. But the defense still looks really good. I, I mean, I was a little surprised, actually, with – how much, uh, how much real stuff that Baylor ran in that game on both sides of the ball. You know, it wasn't just all vanilla. It wasn't just kind of throwing very base stuff. We did get to see some blitzes. We did get to see some uh, in different packages and stuff like that. So the team looked really good, in my opinion. Uh, you know, but I think that Craig Williams is really the story of that game. Jayhan, what, uh, what are you working on for CBSSports.com right now? Well, actually, tomorrow I'm I'm heading out for the rest of the week uh, to take some vacation time. It's a nice. it's been obviously a long off season, so I'm going to be heading up to New York and uh, and not doing a thing. There you go. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, catch your breath and then get ready because it'll be here before you know it, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, appreciate your time today as always, Shayhan. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. We'll see you later, Shayhan Jayaraja from CBSSports.com.